0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Whole presents A Space Podity. Um, season one, we covered Nine Inch Nails. Season two, we are looking at uh, David Bowie's discography. But we're not going in chronological order. This is the first time you've ever listened to this podcast. You hopefully have caught on by now that we roll with the Diamond Dice. And that selects which album that we go into. On um, Last episode we did cover the penultimate David Bowie studio album The Next Day. If you listened to that one all the way through you would have heard that we had already rolled the dice onto the next studio album which is going to be Hunky Dory. But before we get into Hunky Dory we wanted to give The Next Day extras a little bit of space to talk about. I know that we love to talk for two and a half to three hours long on episodes, but we decided to make this a proper episode. So before we go into hunky dory, we've decided to, like I had mentioned, go into the extras. This is Mark, one of the hosts, co-creators. I'm always joined by my cohorts in this deep dive. And uh, Stephen, say hello.
1: Hello there. I am lying in bed in my bedroom. I kicked my family out of here and I have my laptop here. It's a Friday evening after a long work week. And I imagine lying in bed like this with a laptop and a microphone is how some of our greatest stars have been born, like uh, Lana Del Rey. And um, what's her name? Billy English or Billy Irish, whatever the big Billy
0: Eilish. Billy Eilish.
1: You know, she's a fan of Type of Negative, so she's okay by me. Anyhow. I imagine they started all their music just laying in bed with a microphone and a laptop like I'm doing now. Hello.
0: Good to have you, Steve. Good to have you. Um, and can't have Steve without an Eric. Eric, are you out there? <laughs> sure am. And if we're going to play the uh, where are we game, I'm in my laundry room
2: with a big fluffy blanket draped over the, the metal washer and dryer as to not create a metallic echo um, Also, like I'm sure many great stars were made uh, leaning against a washing machine.
0: Ah, uh, yes, you sound a little under the weather, my friend. Uh, oh, you notice? Uh, yeah, what's you been noticed, going on in you your life? My
2: my sexy voice, very nice. Uh, not no, nope, the Kathleen not,
0: Turner voice.
2: That's right, the the Harvey we- Harvey Weinstein. I just got a little uh,
1: <laughs> hold on, hold on, correction,
0: the, correction. I, I always make that mistake my, myself. It's Harvey Firestein. Oh. Uh, oh my God! Pod, like Jesus like like I a whole. know the difference. We're gonna edit don't, that. Uh, We're gonna let's edit
1: that right now. Three. We're two, not editing. We're not editing. <laughs> We're not gonna leave that one editing. In. Anything. Let's just say that unequivocally. Pod like a hole, Incorporated. Does not endorse Harvey Weinstein, and he definitely oh was not on our show.
2: Oh, God, no. Harvey Firestein, on the other hand, has made an appearance many times every time one of us catches a little cold. And uh, also does a great voice of one of the Skeksis in the new uh, Dark Crystal show, so check it out. But, yeah, I'm, yeah. A, little, I'm a little sick to answer your question. Yeah. Well,
1: well besides, hopefully, we
0: we'll be back to a, fighting shape. Thank besides you. Besides
1: a little sick. Uh how is everyone? And I'm only asking that cuz I want to talk about myself for a second. But Mark, how have you been? It's been a while.
0: It has been a while. Um just like you, I've been uh trying to keep my head above water on on my work and uh still trying to maintain a good positive outlook on life. Um so far things are coming up aces.
1: There you go. <laughs> yes, work. I wanted to talk about work. That's right, work. Because God damn it, man, I've been working. I've been working so much, it's almost a pain in the ass just to listen to the songs for these albums. Which is weird, because a lot of my work is driving around now. But if you're driving around and not paying attention, you can't really get much done. But um, I just wanted to point out, because I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to say two things about work because I've been working a lot that since this uh, new position as a project manager at this job, we were very slow at the start of the year and now we're very busy. And I'd say for maybe the first quarter, we started five new projects. It was a very slow time for us. And between now and November 11th and today is December 18th, I will be starting five new projects. So, imagine that. A whole quarter's worth of work for the, the the company at the start of the year, I am trying to do in a matter of three weeks. So, uh, my brain is fried, and I am very excited to be recording our little podcast tonight because of it. That's all.
0: Well, the company thanks you for your hard work, and oh, just yes. like at the end of uh, Christmas vacation, you'll be enrolled in the Jelly of the Month Club at the very <laughs> yeah. end of the year. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll all pay off guys. I'm
1: sure everything being equal, I will totally see the fruits of my labor. Um, I will say though, I learned today through scuttlebutt that, uh, one of our, uh, one of the guys out in the field who has already uh, thought was an all right guy. I learned that he's a, he's a big time metalhead. So, uh, learning that today, I, I, I talked to him for a minute and not just, you know, your are uh, you disturbs of the world. No, nothing of that nature. He actually is a kind of guy that's into such bands as Opeth and Behemoth. So it's always fun when you learn a coworker in the real world has a little bit of a similarity to you. So that was nice.
0: Yeah, I will admit that's true. Um, the other day I was at one of the stores that I go into, and a guy over the, uh, put a Bluetooth speaker on, and he decided to go ahead and queue up the new tool record. Um, So that was an interesting conversation. We had a lot to talk about. And he told me, I hadn't had the opportunity to fact check this story, but he told me that Marilyn Manson showed up to Aftershock Festival um, quite belligerently out of his mind. And he whipped uh, old John Thomas out and decided to urinate right on stage. And apparently the city of Sacramento said no, 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 and uh, might be going after him for things haven't well, had the opportunity to fact check it so if uh uh if during publication time if this pr- proves to be incorrect, I'll run an apology on the next episode
1: <laughs> it would it would be on brand uh definitely especially him being belligerent live he's just we've talked about him the the, the poor fellow just can't seem to keep it together when he goes and does concerts anymore so and then and then you know i honestly <laughs> I'll be the first to admit that. Anytime I have to spend time in Sacramento proper, especially Discovery Park, my God, you don't want to do anything but drink until you can't remember anything. So I can't blame.
0: Them. <laughs> you know, I've never been to Discovery Park. I drove over it during AfterShock last weekend, and because uh, I think it's like right underneath an underpass, if I memory yes, serves.
1: That's a, that's the same underpass that I saw Nine Snails at a few years ago at a good old AfterShock. But you know. It actually has a. De- if you could consolidate that entire lineup into one day, you could get a really good show, but they really, st- I mean, for God's sakes, you had such luminary acts this year is uh, Friends of the show, slipknot and tool and uh, shit. I think Rob zombie who we've agreed. We, you know, we appreciate Rob zombie. Sure. Uh, yeah. That's all fun. But then between, you know, we've got you, I think stained was one of the, the acts and uh, you know, uh, Mark's Mark's uh, band corn was on there. So it's a, it's a mixed, mixed bag, that Aftershock.
0: Yeah, I still need to get around to listening to that new record.
1: I heard it's okay, but the album cover is atrocious. But that's not, that's not shocking.
0: But you know what? <laughs> I still haven't digged into Ghostine yet. I, I just haven't, like, you know, things have fallen off the radar. And uh, it just reminds me I need to get around to actually listen to that thing.
1: Well, I appreciate, for two reasons, I appreciate you bringing that up, and also, I do think it's a record that warrants attention and not being on in the background, and um, it really is, it really, like, listen to it, look at it while you're listening to it, focus on it, Absolutely. but also, also, very deft of you to, to bring up the, uh, you know, such a. And, uh, you know, uh, a well regarded artist is Nick Cave, just as we were talking about uh, listening to the new Korn album. I see what you did there. Good job, Mark. <laughs> I, I, uh, Isn't it electric?
2: I uh, listened to uh, the first disc of Ghost Teen. I completed it uh, during a bike ride, and uh, it was looking at the uh, autumn leaves changing, wind blowing in my face. It's a beautiful album. Beautiful so far. I can't wait to hear disc two. Disc one, I finished. Yeah, uh, swirling synths, no drums whatsoever. Uh, the com- rhythm completely being driven by Nick's voice, um, and uh, through
0: the entire record,
2: at, at least disc one, not a not a
1: drum wow. to be found. Um, there's a there's one section that has some heavy percussion, but that's about it. And definitely, what Eric's saying is true. It is a continuation of what started with "Push the Sky Away" and then "Skeleton Tree," and now this. And each of these records. Became less rock like and more uh, ethereal, uh, for lack right. of a better term. Yeah, and it works. I, I can imagine in his uh, the band's headspace right now, it works. I hope that the next album, like I hope this is the culmination, and maybe they get back to a more standard rock. Agree. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree for with The next that. record. Yeah, yeah.
2: What they what they do something cool yeah. on this album that whenever they want to tell you that that the songs like the rising action, if you will, like we like to use, um, like just overdubs of overdubs of their backing vocals, just swooning in the background. It's really cool that it's on a lot of the tracks.
1: Yeah. They do a lot of good, yeah. A lot of good, like whirlwinds of sound. It's not boring at all. It's just, it's (coughs) not propulsed by drums. And, uh, but I do think even if the bad seeds don't get back to a proper rock album next time around, they've been saying there's a third grinder man album coming out and grinder man's all rock and roll. So, you know, it'll all be fine oh and, uh, yeah what what the fuck does Nick cave owe us he's put out like twenty five great records so he can do whatever
0: he wants oh yeah no it's not to say that uh man can't he get back to the rocking and quit this billy Joel phase that he's in um but uh i i really didn't give skeleton tree too much time uh because uh I don't know i just uh it it's a great record but i just You know, it's one of those, oh, that was good. And then you kind of put it down, kind of like what we talked about with the next day. I did really, really like Push the Sky Away, though. There's a lot of great stuff on there.
1: Push the Sky Away might be actually, and it's a few years removed now, so it's not just a Regency bias. I think it might actually be in my top five. There's some, there's at least four all-timer tracks on that record.
0: Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, we're not here to talk about Nick Cave tonight. That'll probably be for some other night. Um, so let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, the next day extra, Eric, can you give us a little background of what the next day extra is all about?
2: Well, it's a, it's a, it's an EP that was released shortly after the album was released. Um, it's got, uh, some remixes. It's got a couple songs that showed up on, uh, international versions of the next day and deluxe versions of the next day. And then it's got a few, a scattering of songs that were just not used for anything, um, and it was it was released together as a digital and physical um, um, EP. Uh, I don't have the release date on that. Anybody got the? Is it
0: available on any of the streams right now? <laughs> it is. Could any of our
2: fans I, I go out and find it? Could not find it on the streams. I could not find it on on uh, on either stream I was using. Could you find it?
0: I did not uh thankfully um I was able to get a shared copy from one of you gentlemen and I uh, appreciate that but yeah it's uh it's kind of puzzling cuz everything else seems to be available right now.
1: Yeah, the uh- Yeah, there's there's mostly almost every David Bowie oddity, Space Oddity in normalty is available on the, the streamings. So I it is curious and it's also it's a fairly, it's a, it's a good, it, it, it's a, it's a good full length record. Basically. I'm surprised that they didn't just make it available. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, they, maybe they
2: want to make it. I know, I know there's still a box set you can buy and this is in that. And maybe it's still a, a cash grab kind of thing. It's um, so. uh, Yeah. So it came out in November of uh, 2013. So that's not too long after the album dropped. Right.
0: Yeah. I think the album dropped in September.
2: Yeah. So yeah, not, not long after that. And um, yeah, exactly. It's just a collection of, uh, of, of stuff. Um, It did garnish what I'll say is one and a half music videos. And we'll talk about it as we get through the, get through the songs.
0: (coughs) Excuse me. The album came out in March of 2013. So if this dropped in November, um, it essentially does fit that theory of it being a cash grab. um, It being released eight months later, those fans that bought it at opening day apparently had to go back and rebuy it. It's true. It's true. Uh, there was, uh, for those that bought the
2: next day and then the deluxe next day that had a couple of the bonus tracks, there was a, um, digital seven track EP that you could buy for significantly less that had, um, the other songs, like not those that were on the deluxe version, just some of the other ones, um, to complete your collection. I see. So, (laughs)
0: So the track listing that I got, uh, essentially I pulled from uh, the Wikipedia. Um, so I guess when we talk about it, we'll just go off of that format, which is essentially a carbon copy of what the track listing was for the EP. Yeah. Um, so to start it off, uh, track one um, is titled Atomica. So let's listen to a little sample of Atomica.
3: I'm just a rock star standing-
1: Atomica, a song that somehow sounds like its name, if you will. Uh, when I listen to this track, it kind of makes me think of a modern-day Ziggy Stardust type <laughs> band singing about itself. It sounds like a a band that's telling you they're coming to town, and they're uh, what are they saying there? They're gonna they're gonna rock till they explode, and that's Atomica. It's uh, it's nothing incredibly complex about the track. It's uh, that's a genre of song that I do like, which is a song about a band talking about a band rocking out. That's Atomica. It kind of reminds me of what a Mike Allred comic might sound like. If that makes any kind of sense.
0: (laughs) I'm sure the reference is there for all of our comic book fan nerds. Um, (laughs) I don't know if I necessarily um, love this song. I think it's an interesting song. I had to listen to it three times uh, back to back to back in order for me to like get any sort of, do I like this? Do I, do I not like this? What's going on here? I mean, it is a B-side in every sense of the word. <laughs> um, it, it, when I first listened, I thought it was just like a generic pop song um, that really didn't have too much dynamics going on for it. And I just feel like it doesn't really go anywhere. I do like the bounciness of it all, um, but I I don't know if I necessarily think it's a strong song.
3: All right,
2: it's, it's a goofy a, song. It's it's pretty <laughs> silly. It's um, uh, yeah, you're right. It's it's like four on the floor, just bass drum stomping the whole time. Um, the guitar riff is fun. It's a little. I'm not going to say it's cheesy, but it, you could you could maybe find this riff somewhere on Reality um yeah uh the verses his his vocals are kind of un there's like not a there's not a big hook to them in the vocals but the chorus i think is uh yeah even though it's silly as hell it, it you can't help but sing along um at least i did by like the fifth listen um i will say what keeps me going through this song is gail Ann dorsey's bass line there are some pops and slides that fill in the gaps yeah. on this song that even when, if you get bored with the other stuff she's gonna keep you going the whole time.
1: Yeah, I think that on uh, the album, the next day, and these bonus songs, she is a standout. Um, secret, she's a
2: secret. I really sauce.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of the hand claps on this track as uh, well. They are deathly used. Um, the lyrics.
2: Were, oh, I think. Oh, I, go, sorry, go on, see.
1: No, I just I think it's a fun song, and it, yeah, like you said, it's bouncy. It's I, I, I the delivery of his vocals makes me kind of wish that uh well for many reasons I wish he would have toured more after this. He didn't tour at all. I think this song would have been really fun live. Uh, it might've been kind of cheesy, but I think live, it would have had a good uh, rock
0: presence to it. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get no argument from me on that one. <laughs> uh,
2: the lyrics in this one, I just a little really quick look at the lyrics. It's just kind of funny because if you remember in the stars are out tonight and it's kind of like, an, uh, like it's look at celebrity and how celebrities um, need, um, the average person to be obsessed with them to live essentially. Um, there are a few, um, allusions in the lyrics to like, uh, like vampiric gods that, that feed off people. And there, and this song talks about gods quite a bit in it about, um, you know, we are gods. I mean, it's a different kind of celebrity. It's a rock and roll celebrity. Um, but they're just kind of looking into that a little bit more. And, um, when I, when I looked into it, uh, on lyric genius, apparently, Atomica is the name of a painting by Salvador Dali, where he drew his wife as a god, a goddess. Um, so, anyways, it's also a a, a DC uh, a, a D-list DC uh, uh, superhero uh, hero. So there you go.
0: Even though this sounds nothing like that British band Elastica, I don't know why my brain just like goes towards that or also um, this all kind of reminds me of a later day or a latter day um, New Order song I could see New Order doing something like this
1: oh sure I could I could see that I can definitely see the Elastica reference on this album in general I can see some Britpop leanings to some of it because some of the songs are kind of tossed off isn't the word but they're just you know a lot of the songs are just they're rock songs by a British guy I, and, uh, I
2: I I think uh, and I like the Elastica and I like Elastica quite a bit. Um,
1: oh, same but, here, uh, Elastica yeah. fan club.
2: But I think a lot of Britpop, um, and I've been dipping my toes in it a little bit more lately. Um, but uh, they uh, their use of keyboards is always there, but usually it's nothing more fancy than like a organ or something like that. And that's generally, he's not doing any crazy synth stuff on this album. Usually if there's a synth, it's just doing like an organ sound or something, which made me kind of connected that to to Britpop as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think kind of just the, some of the propulsion of the songs reminds me of Britpop. And uh, also some of the songs reminded me of Supergrass again. I don't know what
0: the hell is going on there. I think I just really like Supergrass. <laughs> They're good. They're very underrated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. definitely. Makes me
2: uh, regret seeing them open for Radiohead and just playing my Nintendo, the whole my little Game Boy the whole time when they were playing instead of paying attention like a real <laughs> asshole. I just had to beat that fucking Mario game. All right.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, so track two is a r- extended remix of Love is Lost. It's the Hello Steve Reich mix uh, from James Murphy of DFA and LCD sound uh, system. So let's hear a sample of that.
3: of life, where love was good, no love was bad, wave goodbye to the life without pain,
2: guys i got this
1: i was yeah well i was gonna hand the mic to you but (laughs) never mind (laughs) take it away all
2: right hold on just a second okay you just said you have it i do you either have it i was looking up one little fact okay i got one little
1: fact i'm ready to go all right what eric here's what i've been telling you for years either you have it or you don't All right. I like how you stuck around, even
2: though I've never been able to answer that question. So that, that's a testament to your friendship, Steve. Thanks. All right. The uh, Love is Lost remix by James Murphy. Um, and we can assume this might uh, have been around where their friendship began. Uh, we talked a bit about their friendship on the um, Black Star episode because there was a very brief period of time where Bowie wanted... James Murphy to produce his final album. And James Murphy said, ah, I can't produce a Bowie album. I, I, I can't tell Bowie what to do. Like, that's just, I just can't do it. Um, so he, re- he remixed this and obviously um, he worked on that uh, Arcade Fire album, right. That, that Bowie was on. Is that correct?
0: That's right. He or did I- uh, just, yeah, yes, yeah. he, he worked on that one. Yes.
1: <laughs> and boy, howdy. I got, I got to tell you guys, since our arcade Arcade Fire little mini episode, I've had a Arcade Fire relapse like you wouldn't believe. That's uh,
0: it. Just it that's just, good. It just uh, did you happen so. to fall into everything now or not yet?
1: Nope. I pretty much just kept listening to Reflector over Fair and enough. over and over again, Fair and back enough. to Funeral. Yeah,
0: no, that's all good. I was just <laughs> wondering I, your I, thoughts I, on that one. That's all.
1: No, I'll try to. I'll make time for it this weekend. But I did go back to Funeral and get reacquainted
0: with my Very love of good. that record. So, but anyways, Eric. James Murphy and David yeah. Bowie, tell us more.
2: Right. So this one's called the Hello Steve Reich mix. Um, Steve Reich was a composer and an avant-garde composer um, who would do a lot of work with tape loops, found sounds, and, 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 and mixing stuff, looping stuff, until he got like a rhythm out of it. And um, that's what the clapping is in this song. He has a song called Clapping Music from 1972. Um, and that's what James Murphy is using, uh, as the driving beat for the first half of the song. Um, the clap starts, you get some synth, uh, some synth like, um, uh, like loops and, uh, and as that's happening, you get the lyrics and you get Bowie singing and it's it's kind of a fun take on the song. The, um, the full version's 10 minutes. There is an edit of it out there. I only listened to the 10 minute version and I, and I, and I liked it. I, I followed it all the way to the end each time. Um, it uh, you get you get Bowie singing and you get crisp and clear because it's just him, a little bit of synth, and the clapping in the background. Um, and then uh, it gets to a part about halfway through this remix where the drums come in, the song gets bigger, and um, you get even uh, a a sample of Ashes to Ashes. You get that underwater piano that uh, ding, ding, ding kind of thing that, as it goes over, and it plays the me- the uh, melody from Ashes to Ashes. Um, which is a fun callback uh, this is the one they made into a music video, which is a um, a bunch of uh, shapes and designs floating around perfect for the dance for the dance club if they if they're one of those that play music videos um, speaking of anyways, that music I, I, video, I like this
0: remix a lot real fast did you watch that entire ten minute video i didn't um, so there was two music videos <laughs> one involved the puppets um, that we talked about, and then the other one. Right. Uh, that ten minute long one and definitely is not safe for work. Did you watch the whole thing?
2: <laughs> oh man, it's been a long time. Remind me, remind me where it gets not suitable.
0: Well, you know, there's two naked people, man and woman, uh, doing the deed, man, and it kind of oh. breaks into shapes and whatnot. But you actually do, you know, obviously see the. Oh, bodies. interesting.
2: I only remember the shapes. Ha! I didn't rewatch it for this listen, so
0: yeah i didn't i mean it's there um yeah so anyhow uh yeah no this is uh certainly one of my favorite remixes um i think this is a great song originally and you know putting james murphy uh and having him run this through the meat grinder uh it it really works for me um the link doesn't bother me. I know that I've certainly been like, God, these remixes are so long. But I, I do really love James Murphy and how he extends his jams, whether they're his original compositions or some of the remixes of his own original compositions. And yes, I picked up on the Ashes the Ashes Ooh. piano. Uh, Steve liked clapping on the last track and boy, does this one deliver that. And it's got the disco beats. Um, it kind of reminds me of the work that LCD sound system did on 4534, uh, which was James Murphy essentially, uh, writing a workout record. Um, there's one song on there that is very fun. Um, if you happen to see the live, uh, their farewell show, they have Reggie Watts, uh, who used to be on Comedy Bang Bang.
2: Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah.
0: He comes up on stage and he sings uh, a part of from it's Don't Hide Your Love Away. Uh that it, I absolutely love that and it's found on 4534. You see James Murphy singing it, but the live version of it Reggie Watts sings it and he sings it amazing. <laughs> Big fan of James Murphy, big fan of David Bowie doing this. Um, So, yeah, I am a fan of this remix. Never thought I'd say that. Awesome. I think I think it's extended. I think why his extended mixes work
2: is because, you know, it's not just samples and loops. He's doing live instrumentation and and James Murphy actually adds um, live instrumentation and some backing vocals to the song. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it does. it, It does feel like an extended like LCD song at some points. Absolutely. Steve, what do you think?
1: yes i also we are three for three i am a huge huge fan of this remix While Mark was talking i was thinking about yes actually james murphy has the ability to make long things not seem long um i think it's just he has an ability to Or well, this is our one of our catchphrases again he has an ability with rising action to extend rising action to where you don't realize that you're rising until you've risen does that make sense <laughs> yeah
0: it does yeah, and no, it does. Um, there's a song on the first uh, song, uh, record self-titled. It's called Yeah. There's like a crass version, and that one just goes on for miles and miles. Uh, but there's so many parts where you just, yeah, are right. You, you feel that you've reached the mountaintop, but then you look up and you realize that there's more to go.
1: Yeah, and he's, a, he's really able to uh, blend uh, different rhythms to where you don't notice that they're blending well. He's, he's really good at what he does. And uh, on this set, this, this remix, uh, there's a, the section of Eric brought up in the middle where it kind of, uh, the drums kick in and then it kind of ascends into like the space disco. Uh, that's, that does one of my favorite things, which is where and this has happened to, I'm sure the both of you every once in a while, there's a song where it either does something you forget it does, or even if you expect it coming, whenever it happens, you might laugh out loud. And on this track, that part where the song changes and kicks up a notch always makes me laugh out loud. Like I, like I fist pump. It's, a, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. great remix.
0: Yes, 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 yes. All right. So let's head on over to figure out what the plan is. Track three is uh, Plan. <laughs>
1: yes the plan and the plan for this song was to be the intro to the stars are out tonight video
0: yep actually no i didn't catch yeah, that yeah, it sounded that right. familiar but i was like where have i heard this i don't think it was on the record but you are 100 percent correct now that memory serves
1: yeah in the in the much like um much like in the "Enjoy the Silence" video, there's like a twenty-minute, yeah. little intro yes. that's not on the album. Were they all that freaking tough? <laughs> it always, it always drives me crazy for two reasons. Yes, they look awesomely tough, even though they're Depeche Mode. But also, I love that sound. Why isn't that on yeah. the proper song in the album? It's not even on the. You know what? No. I don't even think it's on the single. But uh, yeah, so th- there's that. But then also, yeah, this is a this little intro is during that that weird part of that video. Or actually not weird, that fun part where it's uh David Bowie and uh, yeah. Tilda, right? Uh-huh. Um going going to the grocery store and talking to their grocer and all that stuff. So, so. um
2: this is actually
1: used another place as well. So
2: I'll explain that in a second. This um uh so it's basically just drums, uh guitar dubs, like not even It doesn't it's not guitar playing live, it's uh, some some sampled guitar work. Um Shaker and Cowbell, and that's it. It just loops. There's a little bit of an organ in there It loops and it's over. And it is the and if you just single out the drum beat, it is the same drum beat from the next track, the Informer. So it was just a little thing he was clearly working on. And um, he ended up using part of it for a whole nother song. Um, However, this song did show up on the deluxe edition. On the deluxe edition, there's four songs at the end, um all of which are on this this bonus e p and this is one of them so they they decided to include the plan on that one
0: yeah, and I think it was just like a little short instrumental sketch um that he obviously wanted to implement some this somewhere. I really enjoy the griminess of it all um it's it's short, but it has a lot of atmosphere um yep, big fan, it's an interlude. As I think Steve kind of alluded to. And uh, I would, uh, yeah, I th- thought it was a nice little curiosity that certainly caught my ear. So, with that, we will go on to The Informer. And that was the informer and just like Eric was saying um, you could hear the snare drum that was uh featured in the plan and for whatever reason i get some really scary monsters uh specifically almost like a little bit of teenage wildlife on this song i think it's a great song um i think this should have probably made it onto the proper record i don't know why it didn't i think it's that strong um there's a few songs towards the back half of the next day where I feel that this could easily be substituted in to help finish that album strong. Um, but yeah, I like this song. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do get scary monsters vibes. And at the same time, I think it definitely is a song of the pre black star, uh, Otz Bowie. It sounds the heathen to reality to the next day. They all, they all have the same, they're all in the same house banging around. And this song definitely has like, it might be Earl slick doing like that space sonic guitar sound, which also sounds like it could be like a modern version, maybe a little poppier version of some of the wizardry going on, on scary monsters. Uh, do, do you know the guitar sound of which I talk help? It might not be a guitar. Um, it's like a sonic yeah. space sound. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. So I think I
0: know
1: what distance. you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that. That's that's very, you find some of that in reality in Heathen. But, uh, I, yeah, I do like this song quite a bit. I think, even though I think that uh, the next day closes well, this could have been a great closer song. Um, there's some great vocalization. There's some great, you know, and some bum, bum, bums. And there's some great harmonies they create between dual bowies during some of the uh, the choruses. Um, it's definitely album worthy. It actually, Mark, I wrote down. It actually reminds me of U two at times. In a yeah, good way. I could see
0: that. I could absolutely see that.
1: Because it kind of it kind of you know echoes and 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 in goes into the distance, which I think you know it's kind of a U two calling card. So I big fan of this track. What do you think? Uh,
2: I agree. It's uh, it's everything we like about that era of Bowie. I'm um, actually going to quote the um, the pushing ahead the dame uh, website just because I didn't even catch this stuff. Um, so apparently there's some Satellite of Love backing vocal references in the song. There's 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 a fair amount of self re- referential stuff. There's a, um, apparently the bridge sounds a little bit like rock and roll suicide. Once again, I didn't catch any of this stuff. But what I, I do like what he says here is like. It's the feel of heathen and reality pushed to the point of exhaustion with Bowie having one last go at a played out style. He pulls it off with a plum, but in retrospect, it was him clo- It was the closing number of Bowie's millennial show with the lead actor already plotting to tear down the set and bring in a new pit orchestra. So
1: I think it's a pretty good I, little description. Well, yeah. Can you see, <laughs> I agree. And I definitely, it's definitely in the same wheelhouse as the other two. Um, yeah. I, and, and we haven't talked those albums yet. We both, you know, uh, I think I'll, I'll enjoy talking about them, but they definitely have a sound, and this is part yeah. of that sound. Yeah,
2: uh, there is also a. If you look at the lyrics, there is a probably intentional um, parallel to the film in Bruges. Have you guys seen that movie? Oh yeah!
0: Oh yeah! Yeah,
2: yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, uh, with the whole killing a priest, and and there's a there there there's a there's a plot in the song that comes in the lyrics every now and then. That uh, about killing a priest and a hit going wrong. And anyways, it, uh, it definitely seems like he might have been inspired by that, by that fun little flick.
0: God, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. I remember watching it and really enjoying it. Um, that was Colin Farrell. And who was the other guy? It was uh, Brendan Gleason. Brendan Gleason, How could we forget? Sorry. Okay. Hey, guys, what's next? Oh, it's,
1: it's only another remix for the song I'd Rather Be High you <laughs>
0: Thought the song needed more harpsichord. Have I got the song for you?
2: This this remix was done um for a, a expansive fashion ad for Louis Vuitton. Um about like a a housewife that fantasizes that she's in, that she takes a hot air balloon to some crazy castle. Everybody's uh, dancing around in, in masks. It looks like that scene from The Labyrinth. And Bowie's sitting there at a harpsichord, playing and singing, and there's a little bit of mystery, and then she wakes up. It's a pretty, kind of a cool ad. I sent it to you guys. I don't know if you watched it, but it's kind of a cool ad. Um, and uh, this remix is the same song, but you're wrong. It's not just harpsichord, although I will say... That annoying little guitar riff, when it's done by harpsichord, doesn't annoy me as much. And the choruses are much lusher. There are more backing vocals. There are more strings. I think this remix is better. I'm not saying it, doesn't, it does not necessarily make it a great song, but it makes one of the lowest points in the album uh, much more interesting to me. So there you go.
0: There you have it. Remember how obnoxious... You guys ever see that movie, Amadeus? I love that movie, with- Yeah f murray abraham it's a good it movie the, it was amazing yeah it is very good rock but me I, amadeus but i will have to say tom dr. Holt, Zaias, dr. Zaias. I, I think it's <laughs> i watched planet of the apes for the first time the other day and uh yeah that i the whole time i was like just thinking of that fucking troy mcclure <laughs> i love you dr zaius um Can but you anyways play the
1: piano <laughs> 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 well i couldn't before uh, if you like those, listen to uh, an episode about eight months ago where we totally dropped a clip from that great episode.
0: Continue. Mark. Absolutely. Um, but whenever I think of Harpsichord, I know that uh, – I think there was a Louis Vuitton video uh, or commercial, and uh, David Bowie pulls out his um, Goblin King pining after a young lady uh, performance. Did you just hear what that. I was talking
2: about for the last I five know, minutes?
0: Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. I did. <laughs> Um, But whenever like I think of Harpsichord and this, you know, kind of revolutionary, I think of Tom Holtz, Holtz. I think that's how you pronounce his name. That actor's performance as Amadeus was absolutely obnoxious in in a way that was meant to be obnoxious. It's not like I find that guy obnoxious. Well, the I, way he was I,
2: giggling and yeah he's got this giggle like this nervous giggle that's going on like non-stop the whole movie yeah no nonstop. he's supposed to he's supposed to be an infant man like that's the whole exactly point. yeah yeah and
0: i can't and so anytime i hear harpsichord in any song and with this pronounced like this pronounced i'm just like fuck this song
2: (laughs) yeah well that's that's what it it, I it was it 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 was significant it was just made for this this commercial which it fits in the commercial there's a harpsichord it's all old-timey whatever but yeah standing on its own it's like why it's there I can see that like you listen to me like why but uh yeah anyways
0: I think it makes it better there's one uh exception to the rule uh I think it's uh done by this band called the stranglers um It's uh, Found on the Snatch soundtrack. That would be the song um, Golden Brown. Good song. Golden
3: Brown, texture like sun, lays me down, with my mind she runs throughout the night. No need to fight, never a frown.
0: It's the only exception to the rule. All
2: right, note uh, to self: return want, the harpsichord I bought for Mark for his birthday. I want to. Well, I want to go
1: on record. <laughs> I want to go on record that I am extremely in the pro harpsichord party. Extremely, um, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm a. I'm a big. What are you, the Phantom of the Opera? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's an. That's an Oregon. Okay, the F- Phantom of the Opera doesn't play a harpsichord. My God. You're a film scholar,
0: Mark. Well, who, who knows? <laughs> like, I'm sure the band Ghost plays a harpsichord in like five tracks.
1: <laughs> Fuck yeah! Yeah, they do. And it's great. I'm I'm still convinced that, that I can turn Mark on onto Ghost, but that's for another episode. <laughs> um, anyhow, the harpsichord's just fine. And uh, the next track that we're going to listen to is Like a Rocket Man. And it's more than just fine. It's great. Here's a clip. Uh, Yes, like a rocket man from the title to the actual song. I love everything about it. I think that this track moves at a brisk pace that makes me feel like I should either be cleaning my house or driving down through Big Sur on the highway one in California. It's a beautiful song, and it even reminds me of the Beatles' help during the choruses with the way David Bowie delivers his vocals. And whenever I'm reminded of the Beatles, I'm put in a good mood. That's all I have to say about this song. I like the song.
0: I think this song's all right. I think uh, I'm not as exuberant about this song as as you are, Steve. Um, I did, yeah, well,
1: you know what? You also, you also hate the har- harpsichord, so no surprise. Here.
0: <laughs> time and place for the harpsichord. And uh, we've passed that time and we've passed the place. Um, but I do think you're definitely onto something about it being uh, uh, steeped in that Beatles help. Um, I love that song. It's a good song. Um, and I think that was probably intentional. Um, like a Rocket Man, uh, there's obviously an Elton John connotation there. The song sounds nothing like an Elton John song, or even the William Shatner version of Rocket Man. Um I think it's steeped a little too much into that old sound that Bowie didn't really embrace when that sound was actually prevalent. Um, and so it's an interesting choice that, you know. Bowie at the time, who was an existing artist, um, did not really go into that type of sound as much, but I do think the interest in guitar work, um, really does help boost the song into just being on the pile of a forgettable song. It's a good song, but it would be hard for me to, if I was to put it in a police lineup with some of his other more obscure cuts, I would probably like, I don't know the title of that one. Um unless he says it 10 times. Does he say it 10 times in this song? I don't know. He could. Um, But yeah, I think it's an all right song. Nothing for me to write a Ken Burns documentary on though. Well, what
1: does it, what does it mean to be like a rocket man? What does that mean? Eric, what does like a rocket man mean to you? Not your opinion on the song. You can get to that. But if I were to say, Eric, that's like a rocket man. What would you say that means? You mean in general or in the context of the song? No, I mean, okay. First, if someone said Eric, that's like a Rocket Man. What would you think they were talking Elton, about? Uh, and then Elton, two, John. Yes. I
2: think they were talking about Elton John.
1: Okay. Oh no way! You no, wanted me to talk? say I, you wanted me to
2: say Shatner. You wanted me to say Shatner. I understand. No, I understand. I,
1: I wasn't even. Shatner. I was. <laughs> I wasn't even looking for that. You know, I maybe I was thinking of a Super Bowl one where they had the guy with the jetpack land in the middle of the goddamn thing. Whoa. Um
2: I didn't know about that that's great
1: yeah go look go look it up bud. a a man in an old style jet back just lands in in the middle of whatever uh astrodome they were playing the super bowl in great great how do you feel about the track uh, the track um didn't really
2: grab me until i started reading lo- looking into it a bit um the sound itself just didn't do anything for me um I do think the use of Rocket Man's funny. Uh, there are document that uh, there there's been documentation of Bowie being less than pleased that Elton John wrote a song called Rocket Man. Like at the time, Bowie was pretty annoyed by it that kind uh, of, kind of, kind of encroaching on his territory in a way. Um, and uh, the song itself, I mean, he's chasing after a little Wendy cocaine. Uh, that's the first line of the song and it's, it's him reflecting on, uh, being an absolute addict in the seventies, crawling down the wall, the wall screaming. Um, he has no shape, no color. Uh, he doesn't want to die, but he doesn't want to live. Um, the lyrics are interesting. I just don't think the music, uh, matches, uh, that level of, uh, of creativity. So not crazy about it, but, uh,
1: totally listen to it. Interesting. I think the music outshadows the lyrics by far. I like the, uh, like I already said, I like I, I like the the brisk pace to it. Also, towards the end, where the guitar, uh, wow now now, wow now now, starts taking a more pronounced uh, placement in the song, it works for me. Apparently, diminishing returns tonight for like a rocket man from Steve to Mark to Eric. But I tell you what. At least none of us were born in a UFO. Born in
3: a UFO, born in a UFO. I pulled to the glade and once the saw to land, she glided through the mist in a-light skirt. Perugi shoes like moves in the dirt. Her clutch bag reflected the sun and steel. The 50s move is the wind's real. There's no direct- she bleeds She comes me against the trees I was home I thought My life could start to watch Not like the other girls Born under a stone We were
0: born without Well, I, I, you know Born it, uh, in a UFO I was <laughs>
1: born <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm fully prepared When we get done with the show tonight To, to at least write out the lyrics <laughs> of that parody song, and and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and and you know swapping out you know references to coming back from Vietnam <laughs> to coming back from some <laughs> intergalactic space starship. Troopers. Yeah, it's <laughs> this has to be it's done. True. It's true. <laughs> he, yeah, it, uh, but uh, you know, I, I I I actually I was caught off guard, like like those uh, those. Non-Tarnians off Sector Seven Two, caught off guard by the onslaught of the monstrosities of the Lobosito, uh Twelve Thirteen droids. That was a lot of <laughs> words I just made up. I wasn't prepared to talk about this song. So, Eric, what do you think about uh, "Born in a UFO"? Uh,
2: <laughs> I I mean, this song just just hits you across the face with its dick in the first 30 seconds with the whole born, born in the USA riff. Um, and then it's like Bowie said, I want to make a parody of Springsteen for 10 seconds and then I don't want it anymore. And then the rest of the song is something else. Um, uh, the rest of it is, uh, it gets a little jangly. Um, it has some moments of catchiness. Uh, but I, I definitely find this to be, this this to me is the is the ultimate of the B sides. Like this was this was like a fun idea one afternoon, but it's not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, I would probably agree with that. I mean, I do think that there are uh, there is a little bit more than just a, a slight like cheeky little nod towards Bruce Springsteen because I do think that there's a little bit of that also in the verse melody. Um, I do still hear a little bit of Springsteen. Um, it's uh, you know, I've I've noticed no it's true there, there there's a verse that starts that sounds
2: like when Bruce Springsteen talks about like there's a boy walking down by the aqueduct or whatever you know just that slice of life Springsteen that's a terrible Springsteen by the way so you don't hate that. but
0: I wasn't trying to <laughs> know that I was like a little more John there, Mellencamp but. but sure
2: yeah but it, but it was like a it, just the there, there's that slice of life storytelling that happens in this song that is definitely Springsteen so I you're right but about it's that got now. a little
0: bit of a oh. sci-fi twist obviously I'm I've noticed that uh, there's a few songs in um, Bowie's catalog. Obviously, the most well-known one being "Space Oddity," um, about his just fascination with you know intergalactic beings. Uh, I think you know Ziggy Stardust also has a character that comes from you know he's a space invader, and then on uh, Heathen, the Gemini spaceman, and now born in a UFO. It's like yes, Bowie, we we understand at this point that you're that's your thing. Um intergalactic space travel. And someone who's currently watching the original Star Trek series right now, I should be a little bit more cool. This is great. Bowie in space. Um but it's just one of those things that uh like you mentioned, it's a B-side through and through. It's a it's a little concept that they were smiling as they're writing it. And, uh, and they moved on with the next part of their day. Steven.
1: Interesting. Interesting. I, um, uh, one, I was, uh, I, as I'm mute, I was howling in laughter. at Eric's uh, boy in the aqueduct, uh, boy walking down the aqueduct. So, yeah, uh, pretty, pretty spot on. Even though when he says he sounds more like Randy Newman. Ah. <laughs> uh, oh God! I'll take
2: it. I'll take it.
1: <laughs> and uh, I actually, I, I don't hear besides the name. I don't hear the the the, the Springsteen homage to it. Uh, it's probably there. I just don't hear it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm too close to the source material. Um, and uh lastly, I, I this track's all right. I do like this. This album has. I I think they don't try to do too much on this bonus album. But they do do a lot of interesting tricks with the vocals, and there is a fun little vocalization that sounds like it's out of uh, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. The... the, the, the ooh, 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 ooh. I don't know if you guys know what I'm trying to mimic here, but there is a cooing section that sounds very much like Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link dungeon levels, and that would be the second time I've referenced Zelda on this podcast. The other being... There was a section in Diamond Dogs, which reminded me of
0: Zelda. So there you go. I can't believe it's only two times. That is surprising, yeah. all things considered. So you said you're a fan of the song then, yes? Uh, no, I,
1: I didn't, it didn't need to barnstorm the album proper, but I think it's okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would put it in that just okay pile as well. All right, so let's go on to I'll Take You There. And I'll take you there right now.
3: Day today is the first of May, everything around us, everything alive, your heart's beating fast as we race through the dark, cause the really good people who do what they're told. What will be my like?
0: So that was, I'll take you there. And it's, uh, it's not bad. Again, I've said this about born UFO as well. I think it lacks a clear production. Everything really seems to be cluttered. I think, uh, pushing ahead. The dame said it was a, a traffic jam of sounds. Um, and it's clang and bang, but not necessarily in a junkyard way. It's more just, there's a lot going on. Um, That's funny because we described we described uh, never
2: never let me down the same way, and he actually asked his band to listen to beat of your drum five times before playing before recording the music to all take you there. Interesting
0: fun fact. Beat of your yeah. drum. Uh, I I remember actually enjoying that song, uh, but then the choruses came in and just fucked everything up. <laughs> uh, um, this song was uh, the only. Oh, sorry. Go on.
3: Yeah,
1: oh, I, I was gonna say, I'll give this song one thing. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot going for it, it's a little busy. Um, at the one minute 45 mark, it takes a, a step back a little and lets David Bowie just sing without a lot of uh instrumentation behind him. And it's a nice reminder that oh, yeah, sometimes you forget that David Bowie was a great vocalist, uh, there was always so much going on that, and when you strip everything away, the guy is such a great singer and uh in this track there's a small example of it around the minute uh 145 that's about all i got to say it's the
2: only co-written song on the album uh him and jerry leonard who was his guitar player on next day they co composed this track um and uh i actually i actually like this song i i i find it to have a lot of drive and uh I always, I always find myself finishing it uh, Once it starts uh, If it comes on shuffle or anything like that um, I think the hook I, think, I actually think the hook's pretty good on this track So anyways
1: um, I would put this above the last few tracks We talked about Well the track I'll put among the last few tracks We talked about Is God Bless the Girl And God Bless this song Let's hear a clip
3: Her work and her work is love, for there is no other. She says God has given me a job. Jackie loves her work. There is no other Jackie's aiming for the stars, but landing on the clouds. like a slave without
1: change ah uh, yes god bless this girl some kind of early 90s billy joel mutant that i absolutely adore eric how do you feel about it i
2: like it i like it um Musically what stood out to me the most is um it's not in the forefront but David Bowie is playing acoustic guitar and on the song in the background there's there's a full band playing it's a rock song there's electric guitar there's everything like it. but Bowie's carrying the rhythm uh by strumming his acoustic guitar like crazy and um you know he never got credit for being much of a guitar player but um he could he he could drive a song with an acoustic guitar and he does that in this song
1: and I think it's really cool um this, I agree with yeah. you. I, um, I wanted to say that I noted the acoustic guitar really stands out in this track. And yeah, you know, whenever you watch, uh, some, especially in his older age, he would do a lot of, uh, pulling out the acoustic guitar and playing some of his old tracks. And you were reminded, Oh yeah, this guy, he started out as kind of a, a folky songsmith, and he could really play the acoustic guitar. Well. And, um, I actually found this, uh, a version of, um, uh, shit quicksand with him and Robert Smith this week that knocked me in my ass and it's just those two and acoustic guitar. Nice. But, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to say, I totally, I wrote down the acoustic guitar playing on this is great. Uh, that and against, um, kind of the ominous, uh, electric guitar plucking was a, a nice, nice mix.
2: Yeah. Um, and he's got a lot in this song. Um, he's, he's following a, a few different female characters and just kind of, just kind of celebrating um the 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 women's plight in our society um so i like i like the lyrics for that it's a it's kind of a low key feminist song um and uh i think it's a great this was good. this was the closing track on both the deluxe version and the japanese version so uh i i think it's a great closer uh heat might have been a better closer but it's still a it's 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 not the closer of this but it's a, it's got a, it's got a great, uh, reflective quality to it. So I like it.
1: Yeah. Two, two other things that it does that I like is I really, again, to the vocalizations on this record, the, uh, you know what I'm talking about right there. There's that during the chorus underneath it, he kind of does a cooing sound. It sounds great. And throughout the track towards the end, there's some piano work that gets more pronounced. It's kind of a, Bruce Springsteen style grand piano pounding that I really dig. Uh, But Eric and I had plenty to say, Mark, how'd you feel about this track?
0: Yeah, no, I essentially, my notes were very similar to what you guys had mentioned. Uh, The acoustic guitar work kind of reminds me of the George Michael faith guitar, which is essentially a bow diddly beat um, that strum. Um, And it's interesting because the guitar and the rhythm section are really laying down the mood. Um, in the sense that they're kind of not exactly running in parallel Uh, so you've got that driving rhythm that Bowie's doing on the acoustic while uh, the rest of the band is kind of just laying down a little bit of I think atmosphere and mood and there's a lot going on in this I think that uh, the song definitely has a, a kind of a sense of like gospel songs, um, and not to say that I'm a big gospel fan. I always appreciate when uh, rock bands really do bring in some gospel elements into their work.
1: Well, Arcade well, Mark, Fire
0: have done it. David Bowie, and of course, our man Nick Cave.
1: Mark and I did. I did mention. I was not kidding. That gives me an early '90s Billy Joel vibe because it reminds me of the River of Dreams.
0: Oh yes. <laughs> did I ever tell you what uh, that song means to me? No, I think it's a good song. Tell me. So, River of Dreams, there I was, a young man in eighth grade. And um, our PE teacher, we had come to the part of the year where we had to do gymnastics. And part of our, uh, I guess, testing grade? I don't know. Like, I uh, never quite understood how PE teachers would grade students. Never really quite understood that. But anyways, we had to do a floor exercise. For those that don't follow gymnastics, that means that you have to basically get on the uh, the mat and flip around, do some cartwheels, and maybe even dance around. And you had to bring your ah. own music. So oh yes, yes. So you had the option of um, you know doing it with a partner, uh, you know whatever it is. None of my uh, none of my friends I think were in the class or really right that interested and I was really kind of dreading it. So I was like, "God, I don't know what fucking song to play." In 8th grade, I at that point didn't really fall into my my love of music, if you can believe it. I listened to classic rock, but I was like, "What am I going to do?" You know, do this with like The Doors' Touch Me, which would have been actually better, but instead my mom had a single of River of Dreams. So I put that bad boy in the player, and it was the best three minutes and a half of my life. I was doing somersaults, cartwheels, handsprings springs. <laughs> I'm oh God. Um, God, I I even shaking my little tush oh. to "River of Dreams" oh. And the. And you were it was, beautiful. It was. Beautiful. <laughs> it was in one of those classrooms that uh, is kind of like a trailer, and so all the desks were around. And like, picture me in the center of the class. Um, where everyone was sitting on their desks, watching me do a floor routine to Billy Joel's river of dreams.
1: <laughs> this so there is you go. I am um, <laughs> the best thing um, I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm in tears. <laughs> a, few, a few things stand out to me. Um, one is that's basically interpretive dance. Um, Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much and another is that i we've both probably seen photos of you as a child, so I can totally picture this now mm-hmm. and uh, just flopping and banging around in a like in a, a, a grade school modular <laughs> to the river of dreams oh
0: that's exactly that's right so, that's exactly right. It was a so uh, picture like a very scrawny like kid who uh, was dancing around like Conan O'Brien. Uh, like part Conan O'Brien and part like the uh, inventor professor from the Ducktales. Um, that would be me Not doing sure. this. So yeah, sure. Wow. All um, right.
1: Well, well, folks, if you're still considering signing up for that Patreon, if we didn't just convince you why it's worth it, yeah, this is the kind of content you get for free. But I tell you, if you didn't, you'd pay for it. That's yes. right.
2: Did you just offer Mark to find the video footage of that to to give to our Patreon subscribers?
0: If it was filmed, trust me, that would be uploaded in a minute. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'll uh, I'm going to call oh. I'm going to call Ann tomorrow after her morning run and see if uh, we can find the track this down.
0: <laughs> well, there's no parents. It was just stud- it was just like kids. There was right. it was and man, I'm surprised that like I didn't get thrown into a locker. And, uh, like just get laughed off and out of the the room. I did. Did your PE uh, teacher
2: look at you and say, you kid, you got the goods.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there was like a freeze frame. Yeah. Oh man. Um, My PE teacher was like the salty old Vietnam veteran too. And he just like, all right, next, you know, just, you know, yeah, well, So it it's fun.
2: funny, in answer to your earlier questions, PE teachers, like they have standards that they like any other teacher, but they get to pick from all these different physical activities that can meet that standard. And it's just so weird that they picked gymnastics. I never had to do gymnastics. I'd certainly never had to do a floor routine. So <laughs> that, that just, he, your, your PE teacher must just have had a Yeah, just liked it. Yeah,
0: I have no idea. All I have to say yeah.
1: about PE teachers. Is it in high school? The PE teachers at Mark and Ice high school definitely hit every cliched PE teacher you'd find in a high school movie or comedy. It was, looking back, preposterous how they fit so many cliches. And uh, I won't go into details there, but they definitely, there was one of each type. It was something. <laughs>
0: I'm surprised I never told you guys that story. That's a good one. All right. it's a
2: great story. Oh, man, that just made my week. Have
0: you ever told your wife that story? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime that song comes on. Yeah. (laughs) She's still with me. That's a a life's mystery.
1: All right. And another one of life's great mysteries is why is the song Soshi so good? Let's hear a clip.
3: This man who suffers gloom so slow, eyes are stolen for her. The sleeping sky takes the moon so slow I would slide away further out to sea.
1: Ah, uh, yes. So she, which I believe Eric was, uh, on the Japanese B side or some such.
2: This was on the deluxe edition as well. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, to me, I'm a big Roy Orbison guy and, uh, this song, there's not, it, it's not rewriting uh, any kind of code, but just the beginning, uh, the way that it's like a Roy Orbison guitar strum mixed against some airy bleeps and bloops from a mega man game. That's all I need to say. I like the song. like the first 30 seconds. I really like the way it starts. It's like a classic fifties, sixties guitar sound mixed with some little airy video game bleep blops. And, uh, I dig that. So yeah, that's, that's all I really need from it. It's a very simple
2: song. It's very pretty. And it's, it's another story about a brokenhearted guy, but this one ends happy. He falls in love and, uh, he actually believes in love, which Bowie, even though he's, you know he was happily married for so many years even in his later years he liked to to write songs about the um the uh just the nihilistic look at love but this is actually uh hard on, hard on his sleeve sweet song yeah
0: yeah i would agree with that i think it's a interesting little love song that it doesn't play too overly sappy um It's pretty quick. It just kind of gets in, uh, throws around some harmony, and gets out. You know, it's not something that uh, overstays its welcome. And the Roy Orbison uh, comparison actually makes a lot of sense for me. Um, I'm not a huge Roy Orbison fan. I obviously know his uh, biggest hits, but not necessarily his deep cuts or even his albums. But I understand, like, what style he likes to play in. And I feel that this song particularly would kind of fit in that neighborhood pretty well. I know that sometimes Bowie's love songs can be a little bit too, like Letter to Hermione, for example, was one of those examples that I was trying to think of at the top of my head that uh, is a little too um, esoteric in the sense of ethereal. Um, But this one, you know, it seems to match up the harmonies without it being too overly sappy. It's a good one. It's a good one.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Agreed.
0: Yeah. It also has, it has a little bit of slide gar slide guitar
1: going on in it, which I always enjoy. And towards the uh, middle to the end of the song, it gets a little denser with, uh, I don't know. If there's exactly some like violin orchestration, but there there sounds like either proper uh, string work or synthesized string work that uh, does it for me. I think it's an okay closer for a bonus album. And also, I want to point out that actually the 30th anniversary of a black and white night, the Roy Orbison live album, which somehow looking back, stealthily introduced me to Tom Waits and Bruce Springsteen came out this week, 30 years ago. And if anybody wants to find a great starting point and maybe the only Roy Orbison album you need, that's one of them. It's a, it's a live album. It was recorded in like a nightclub setting and it's got Roy Orbison uh, Tom Waits uh, Elvis Costello Bruce Springsteen Bonnie Raitt uh, Jeff Lynn Maybe George Harrison the all, uh, all the Willberries? It, it's, uh, it's great <laughs> it's, I, I was going to say I think it might have All the Wilberries. I'm pretty sure it has Tom Petty on it was, was Tom Petty a Willberry? I can't remember Yeah Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Don't spoil our third <laughs> season, guys. Wheelbury like a whole. And that'd Two be a quick words. one. So you know, I've had this idea that the, th- the third the third season should be like quick blasts of album, like you know, this band band had three records, and here we go. Um so we'll do traveling Willberries, and then we'll do the highwayman, and then we'll do the damn Yankees.
0: There you but, go. Uh, yeah.
1: Anyhow, that album's the uh, Black and White Nights Fun and we'll uh, uh, this track... Super Hole.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and this track was fun uh, and uh All in all, this little bonus record is a good time. It's nothing to write home about, but a bonus album shouldn't be. I think it has enough tracks on it to warrant uh, its existence. I think some of these tracks could have been on the album proper. And one of the two remixes is good. I give it a very generous 3.5.
0: No, pretty generous.
1: Three, Three out of five is what I meant. Three out of five. Three out of five.
0: All right. I would, uh, I'm probably around hovering between 2.5 and 3. Um, so I'd probably settle in on 2.5. Um, I think that the love is lost remix is fantastic. Plan the informer. I wish that those were both on the record, um, along with God bless the girl. So she's a good little, uh, small song. Uh, I understand why some of this had to be trimmed or maybe didn't even get finished by the time the record rolled around. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a nice little addition to, I think a pretty uh, great record.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I, 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 I give it, I uh, give it a 2.5 and, um, uh, and I agree with all, all the songs you just mentioned, Mark are top notch for me. I do find Atomica way more fun than it needs to be. Um, and, uh, you know, even though the worst songs on here are, they sound nice, it's Bowie, there's some little Bowie moments that we appreciate. It's not just like Tony Visconti sitting on a stool creaking, playing his flute or something with like crackling tape and like that was going to be a an interlude song or some, you know, some throwaway shit like that. Although I, I would love that for my own reasons. But um, anyways, yeah, two, two out of five.
1: Yeah, I, I think I give it a little bit extra oomph just because... I like the uh, album proper quite a bit and I think they go really good together and some of the goodwill I have for the next day spills off onto this uh, oddity extra bit. Um, So yeah, no, it's fun though. And I, between both these records, I'm glad we did this for the podcast because I will probably listen to some of these songs more, as I said before. Yeah. They will probably work their way into my, my rotation now that I have sat down and focused on them. Um, I would probably replace.
2: I could probably take out "Dancing in Space" and replace it with like a Plan Informer one-two punch. Uh, that would be pretty fun.
0: Yeah, I, I would say "Dancing Out in Space" would probably got to go. Um, I'd rather be high. I, I I still don't really. I know we could we could care we could for get that, that song one off too. Yeah. I know that so it's give it a, one of
2: these one of these closers. Yeah, that would be great.
0: Yeah, do a little sequencing. But, uh, yeah, if I was to, I would probably put the informer on there. Um, and, uh, God bless the girl. So she could probably stay as a B side. It's a good song, but you know, Charlotte sometimes is a great song by the cure, but you can't find that on any record.
1: (laughs) Is it really not? It's only in the greatest hits album.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think it was a B side to something or, uh, it's not on any record. (laughs)
1: Man, imagine imagine doing a Cure song by song podcast. Man, yeah, <laughs> I don't
0: know. It would break Eric. No. I think by the time we hit like <laughs> no, some of those later, about, albums. I love the Cure. I know you love the you Cure. See,
1: yeah, it would break. one. I think Eric would, I think Mark would be the strongest. And it would be. Uh, I might snap right before or after Eric would, but it would be it would be something. <laughs> yeah, just,
0: I mean, if the thirteenth, not the thirteenth. I'm sorry, the uh, fucking last album. I can't even get through the last album. It's just so boring. But anyways, that's neither here nor there.
2: Instead, instead, I think we should just do a season that's every episode is um, five seconds of Love Cats until we (laughs) until we get through the whole song.
0: (laughs) I remember you giving me shit for liking The Cure, and that was the one that you would throw in my face. I'm like, it's a bad song. Yes, move on. (laughs) Yeah, me.
2: I would give you. I would. Oh. I, you know, I went through a phase where I didn't think I liked him, but I was wrong. And I'm sorry for any pain I caused you. I actually, <laughs> okay. I actually like them quite a bit. No, it ha-
1: it, ha- it happens to the best of us. I, you know, I, it took me decades to, to start loving Bob Dylan. So, but, uh, no, the, the, the cure, once they click, they click hard. Um, yeah. what was I going to say? And oh, this is great radio. Oh, so what we have coming up is, uh, yeah. So we just talked about the next day and then we talked about the next day extra. And uh, we're going to record an episode discussing the uh, premiere of the Watchmen TV show because Nine Chennels did the music. And then, or before, we'll release an album or an episode talking about Hunky Dory. So that's all the stuff that's coming your way.
0: A lot coming your way. Um, and uh, we've taken a few breaks, of so a little weeks off. But trust me, we're, we're back in the mix. And we're going to get more content out to you more than you can probably handle.
1: Well, I mean, if, if anything, here's an omen tonight, my, uh, my signal didn't drop out once.
0: Exactly. There,
1: there you go. I think the, so, so goes, so my internet connection goes. So we go, when we try to record an episode and it takes five days because my internet won't agree. That's a sign we need to, we need to slow it down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. But, uh. There it is, folks. We did it. So Steve has given you what's on the menu, and we hope that you will be digging into those fine courses that we're going to be presenting in front of you.
1: Yes, and as you, as you dig into them, as you dig into your excellent cartons of uh, rice, which actually might be maggots, Michael, I hope we brought you closer to pod.